You are listening to The Dr. Kinney Show, and I'm your host, Erin Kinney, a naturopathic doctor and speaker who's passionate about teaching you how to understand what is happening in your body, why your body is reacting the way it is, and how to make the appropriate changes in your life to get your body back into balance. Something I've learned from my private practice is that the more patients know about their health, the more likely they are to make better diet and lifestyle choices, which ultimately leads them to a faster recovery. Each week, you are going to learn actionable tips, tricks, and teachings from myself, along with the help of top experts in the holistic health community, so that you can make better informed decisions about your body and your healthcare. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Kinney Show. This week on the show, I have Sue Van Brays, who is a functional nutritionist and food psychologist. And I'm super excited to have her today. We're going to have a cool chat about psychology of food, blood sugar, nutrition, all the things. So Sue, thank you so much for being here. And do you want to tell us your story and how you kind of got into this line of work? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So yeah, I have a business here in Boulder, Colorado called Boulder Nutrition, but I also work with clients all over the world and all over the country. And I also lead women's wellness and yoga retreats locally and internationally. And it's an interesting question because I've been in business for 19 years. So a long journey with all the different things that have evolved in my work. But originally, you know, I, as a kid, severe hypoglycemia. And I was also a competitive gymnast. And so those two things didn't really go that well together because I think that my athleticism really exacerbated my blood sugar issues. So I spent a lot of my early days just really undernourished and constantly in a state of like panic around food and also insatiable really, because I grew up in the 70s and 80s. And the food that we ate, especially for breakfast, was fairly high in sugar, if not completely all carbohydrates. For example, I believe that Honey Nut Cheerios were the number one breakfast in the 1980s. So we had a lot of sugary cereals or healthy. My mom never let us eat like Lucky Charms, but we ate the healthier of the cereals in those days, lots of toast and jam and things like that, big pitchers of orange juice on the breakfast table. And the reason that stands out to me is because now knowing how to manage my blood sugar and how to take better care of my hypoglycemia, you know, those three, like some of the worst possible breakfasts that I could have eaten, not to mention I was burning a ton of calories with my really rigorous training schedule. So it was just sort of one big hunger fit after another for most of my childhood and really all the way through college until I really started to understand the biochemistry of what was happening in my body and also really always having a passion for wanting to be healthy and strong, which also a lot of that came from my gymnastics career and a lot of the different things that we were taught as athletes that wasn't really the mainstream at the time, you know, there was definitely a different level of health consciousness that they were promoting for our performance level, really. So yeah, I started to just dive into biochemistry and biology and nutrition and all the different exercise science and things like that in college and found myself using my own knowledge and gaining more knowledge to really help myself heal 
and to become more stable in my body and in my biochemistry. And it just became a big passion. So here we are. Yeah. 20 years later, I just constantly am working with clients around food and body and really helping primarily women learn how to both nourish their body on a physical level, but also really noticing how integral all the other aspects of our life are for different kinds of nourishment and yeah. how they all really work together. Yeah. Well, thank you for, I always love hearing how people got into the field. It's Usually it's some sort of personal thing. And I think, I think when you have such a passion for something, it usually is because you went through that yourself. And yeah, I think and blood sugar, it's so interesting how much it plays into mood and it plays into, like you were saying, like the, the blood sugar fits, you know, you, you go up and then you crash. And sometimes we're not aware that if you have not learned how food is relating to the way that your emotions go throughout the day, that can be a really big important piece of your healing journey. And that's why, you know, functional nutrition can be so helpful. So why don't you talk to us about the term functional nutrition and what that means in your practice for those who are listening who maybe haven't heard the term? Yeah. So similar to functional medicine in a sense, but really functional nutrition is looking at how food impacts our biochemistry on a cellular level and how we can really tailor and sculpt our eating to match how we want to feel. And Most of us want to feel good. I'm surely not going to assume that everyone out there wants to feel good, but I think the uncommon denominator for most of us is that we want to feel good. We want to feel energized. We want to sleep well. We want to have even energy throughout the day. We want to feel satiated when we eat a meal. We want to be able to work out and be fit and have energy to basically carry out all the different tasks within our days. And I, and I think that so many people don't have that happening where we are actually overwhelmed, exhausted, falling into bed at the end of the day, like with nothing left in our cups, so to speak. So my work is really bringing awareness to our blood sugar and the different ways that food, specifically macronutrients, some of the micronutrients for sure, but really how we can tailor our meals to match all those aspects of how we want to feel. And What I've learned and what I've seen is that most of the time, that's not happening by accident, Mm. most of Mm. the time. I mean, the way that our culture and our society is eating these days in sort of mainstream America is surely not supporting that. So for us to really find our way into balance, both internally, biochemically, and the ripple effect in our energy and emotions and stress levels and coping skills, I really think that awareness and learning sort of those fundamentals Mm -hmm. is really so integral in being able to feel how we want to feel. Yeah. You're talking about macros, you know, looking at making sure people are getting enough protein, enough carbs, enough fat. And probably, I would imagine you're you're tailing it to their specific needs, correct? Absolutely. I mean, some which is a huge, which is a huge part because not everyone's going to do great cutting out all carbs and going keto. Absolutely. Not everyone's going to do great on a paleo. You know that, and you guys Absolutely. hear me talk about this off almost every week on the show. It's so important to have someone guiding you through this because it can be so overwhelming, especially if you're if you know that food is a piece you need to change. You may hear that your friend tried this diet and they felt really great or that you're, they did this for weight loss or you get online, you're like, what should I do? And there's so much information, but that doesn't necessarily mean that 
any of those things are going to always be right for you. And this is why working with someone like you or any sort of nutrition is going to be helpful because they can tailor it towards your specific needs. Absolutely. It's a really interesting process. And I think priceless to be able to learn to understand the intelligence of our bodies and learn what those different cravings mean or those different things that when we're having a symptom or big or small, like to start to look into it and and try to see where we can tweak things or refine things. And that's, I absolutely want to underscore what you said about customized because metabolic profiling is really profound work. And I think that so often we're taking cues from trends in the media as to how we want to eat. And while there's a certain percentage of people that will match up with that particular trend, there's also a huge percentage that won't. And when we're eating for the wrong metabolic profile or we're not taking into consideration our unique needs, you know, so often, even if we're eating healthy food, it can still throw us way out of balance and leave us feeling weakened in various systems in the body. So it's so important to understand our own systems and to start to really become one with that intelligence so that we can start to recognize it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think it, it can be hard to figure that out on your own, right? Again, it can be really overwhelming. And, and we were chatting before we got on that I, I was mentioned to you that I just have been wearing a, a continuous glucose monitor for the past couple of weeks. And you mentioned you wore one earlier this summer. It's so interesting to notice hey, when I do this or when I eat this, my blood sugar is going crazy or dropping low. And it's not always what I would have expected. It's been very interesting. So and I've just started recommending them to patients so you can get a feel for, hey, what foods do your body, you know, does your body's blood sugar balancing like or what activities? And that's a, you know, I know we're talking more about nutrition, but food is a big piece of it. But stress and lifestyle things can also have a major impact on what's going on with your blood sugar. One of the first things that stress hormones will do is it'll tell your liver to break down glycogen. So whether you've eaten a sugary meal or not, if you're super stressed, you may have a sugar spike. And then if you're not backing that up with protein, you may go up and down. And so there's so many different layers to this. So I think CGMs are going to be the next wave of the, you know, they're going to be the next Fitbit that we're all going to have them. So we can kind of traps going on. It's super cool. What was your experience when you wore one? Did you have any aha things when you? It was incredible. I mean, I already knew I was hypoglycemic and I'd done some, you know, blood work to show that over the past many years, but never real time. And so that was really prevalent in my day to day with the CGM. I also was able to sort of start to recognize like little tiny sensations in my body that meant something blood sugar related. Actually, one of the ones that I uncovered was the spike. I'm really good at naming the, you know, Love. crash. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've been able to recognize that since I was a kid, even though I didn't have the language for it. But what was interesting is I have this recurring sensation sometimes after eating, and I've never really known what it was, but it actually is the spike. What did you and, feel? I mean, You know, it feels like a little bit like a crash, but way less. Um, It feels like I get a little bit lightheaded and I kind of have this like tingling sensation in my body. And I was gratefully surprised that it wasn't a crash because it didn't seem like it would match the timing. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like a sugar spike because I do avoid those at all costs. But 
just the elevation after a meal. Yeah. So even if I would have like a heavy protein and really dense, you know, meal, I could still find myself feeling that sensation. So before I had the CGM, I was like, how could I be crashing if I've if you just had this really great meal? And yes. lo and behold, it was the elevation of the blood sugar. Another really interesting thing has just been just noticing like how, well, I don't, I don't eat sugar. Yeah. Hardly yeah. ever. Like it's ugh, really a food that is so bad for me. But I remember one of the one of the days, the first few days on my CGM, I was at an appointment and there was a coffee shop next door. And I was like, oh, I'll get my usual like unsweetened chai for the ride home. And so I went to get the chai and they didn't have the brand that I normally get and they didn't have unsweetened. And so I could have, I suppose, turned around and walked away, but I had my heart set on the chai and so I ordered this, what she called the lower sweetened of the options and took it to my car and drove home and tested my blood sugar like 15 minutes into the drive. And just a chai, my blood sugar was already at 150, you know, oh, wow. just from yeah. one sweetened chai. And I kept thinking I would test more junk food type things when I was doing my trial. I don't know about you, but I kept conducting it. I was like, I don't want to do that. That's going to feel terrible. But I did have a couple of mistakes um, mm -hmm. over the 30 days. One of them was forgetting to put protein in my smoothie, which I have like a high protein green smoothie with lots of superfoods and things like that most days. And we were rushing off to the mountains and I, I know the protein powder was sitting there on the counter, but I think because I was a little like rushed, I must have forgot to put it in. And we had this hour and a half drive to our cabin. By the time we got there, I had had the smoothie with, you know, a little fruit and some greens, but absolutely no protein. And I started to crash. I checked my blood sugar. It was in the low or mid 60s. So had it spiked and then gone down? Well, I didn't catch the spike because oh. I didn't know I forgot the protein powder. So I wasn't really paying attention. And then I have this pretty significant crash where my blood sugar is like around 66 or 67. And I'm just like so lightheaded and wow, like catching that. And then luckily I had some food where we were some nuts and some yogurt. And I was just kind of grabbing for all the protein I could get my hands on. And it took about 30 minutes to get back to like a normal range. Yeah. But it was such an interesting accidental experiment to see just for getting protein in one meal. And it just absolutely threw me off. So interesting and so important to know these things about. Yeah. Well, that's the second day I was wearing mine. I went and I got a, a green smoothie from a, a juice shop and it did not have protein. It was a high superfood thing. Yeah. And my sugar spiked up to like 180. Which I don't eat a lot of sugar in my day-to-day -day life, but I'm like, oh, this is a green smoothie. And then it spiked and then it dropped super low. I have a, hyp I have a little bit of reactive hypoglycemia as well. It spiked up to 180 and then dropped to around 60. And I was Christmas shopping and I was like, oh, I'm anxious. And something must not be feeling right. And then I checked. I was like, oh, of course I don't feel good because my sugar just spiked and then dropped. But so it's, it's so it's really interesting data to gather and understand about yourself. Hey, this food is not so great. This is going to cause a spike or a dip. So it's I think, again, it's going to be different for everyone depending on what your insulin sensitivity looks like. And I also have noticed, and this is something I've had conversations with others who specialize in glucose stabilization for women, I tend to be more insulin sensitive in the morning. So if I am okay. going to have more, I, I can tolerate carbohydrates without the highs and the dips in the morning versus in the evening. It's 
way easier for my sugar to spike and way easier for it to dip. So, which typically has to do with insulin sensitivity. So in most of the research, women tend to be more insulin, again, sensitive morning, more insulin resistant in the evening. So, which is kind of interesting when you look at intermittent fasting, I don't know what your takes are on that, but sometimes, you know, not eating until one o'clock and eating later in the day may not necessarily be the best thing for you. Absolutely. And I think once again, it's one of those trends that it can yes. be so great for some people. And I've had clients and friends that have had great success and feel amazing on intermittent fasting. And for me, with my blood sugar sensitivity level, absolutely cannot exercise in the morning without having food either right after or right before even if it's liquid, like a smoothie of some kind with a protein in there. I don't like exercising on a full stomach, but somehow a green smoothie with protein doesn't make me feel super yeah. full. But man, there is just no way I could be holding off and do a hard workout. Yeah, Maybe a light walk or something, but not a hard workout. And that's the time of day that I like to do my workouts. So for me, it really doesn't work for yeah. me to have, especially the 8-16, the eight-hour window. Mm -hmm. It's just so tricky. Another unless you were to stop eating, unless you stop eating at like 4 p.m., but that could be tricky for just our Right, culture. and then it's also like, like really, I don't want to give up making dinner and having yeah. dinner for my family because that's such a nice time of the day and something I really cherish. So that doesn't really work very well. Um, but there's also 12-12, you know, mm -hmm. which is a little bit looser and our circadian rhythm really appreciates a good 12-hour yeah. break. Yes. And so I try to stick a little bit closer to that. And also with our circadian rhythm, there's that aspect that is making our blood sugar more sensitive in the morning. I mean, yes. I think there's a lot of research on that. And therefore, for me, I do really find that a breakfast is very important to my day. Like it will absolutely either set me up for success or not <laughs> whatever the, yeah and I don't choose the not because I would almost rather not eat anything than have a blood sugar spike and crash you know if I had the choice so yeah this is where getting this data or working with a functional nutritionist would help you to understand this about what your body's needs are Absolutely. and 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 I think the blood sugar piece is, is really and you know I don't know how much you do with weight loss I get a lot of women in the perimenopausal menopausal mm -hmm. age range and you know, they're they're really struggling to lose weight and they're cutting calories they're skipping meals they're not eating a lot and they're when we start to look at their what their blood sugar is a mess it's like that's the first thing we've got to get stable because if that's not stable it's really really difficult it can start to affect the thyroid it can make hot flashes worse it can make all the menopausal stuff worse oh, so I always to draw this picture in my office and it's a triangle and it has thyroid, adrenals, and sex hormones on each of the points of the triangle. And so those are like the main points of our endocrine system. But in the center of that triangle is your blood sugar. And it's that is not balanced. It's going to be almost impossible to get. So, you know, if you're like, hey, my hormones are out of balance or I think my thyroid's out of whack or my adrenals are shot, you really can't adjust any of those if we haven't gotten that blood sugar piece, which is why diet is so important. Mm -hmm. And, and all of the stuff that we've been talking about. So it's really important for so many different aspects, particularly women, also men, but we're here, you know, mostly focused on women's health. So definitely. I think it's almost the root of every single health issue out there. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Maybe not 100% of them, but I'm talking in the high 90 percentile of oh, yeah. health issues, inflammation, yeah. different kinds of hormonal imbalances, um, digestive issues. I mean, I just think that we've compartmentalized the hormones in our thinking, in our mm -hmm. sort of 
the way the media speaks about estrogen over here and thyroid hormone over here. But meanwhile, blood sugar governs all of it. Insulin governs oh, all of it. Yeah. And when we can see, like, for example, how when insulin is chronically high, then testosterone is higher in yep. women. Yeah. PCOS, you know, all, all the stuff with PCOS. All of it. Yeah. To all these different kinds of long-term issues. And similar with weight loss, I mean, it's really hard to burn fat when our blood sugar is up and down because yeah. insulin's a storing hormone. And mm -hmm. when our body's in storing mode, we're going to store body fat, especially yep. around the midsection. And it's, once again, counting calories or cutting calories isn't at all addressing that fundamental blood sugar issue. Yeah. And I think it's something that most people aren't aware of, that blood sugar is actually governing our body composition in a very important way. So it all really comes back to that starting point. And I think that's where people have the most progress. Yeah, I would totally agree. I think this is the biggest mistake that I see women, particularly in that perimenopause, menopause, is is that they're coming in and they're like eating 800 calories a day and exercising like crazy and they're gaining weight. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. And, and typically when you're eating that, your insulin's going to be so like that's, I just, I see so much insulin resistance and in that, like you said, they just are storing all, that 800 calories. It's all getting stored as fat. Yeah. And eating more and keeping that blood sugar more balanced tends to, and sometimes women are amazed. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm eating this 2,500 calories. I'm eating all this. Right. And they start dropping right. weight like crazy. And it's a different mindset because when you're in your 20s, typically you are more insulin sensitive. So you can do those crash diet. Most people, not every, if you have, you know, hypoglycemia, mm -hmm. but a lot of healthy people in their 20s will have no issues with this. And so in their 20s, they can eat, you know, 500 calories a day for a week and drop the 10 pounds of whatever they're trying to do. But then they try to do that 20 years later and the system can't handle it. And I was going to say here also what you talked about with blood sugar relating to so many chronic health diseases. It's because when sugar is elevated, it affects at a, at a cellular level. It's going to affect mm. your red blood cells. It's going to affect how much cholesterol is laid down. And with all the COVID stuff going on, being diabetic is the number one major risk factor for having complications with COVID. And that's because there's elevated blood sugar, which means elevated inflammation. And so there's just so many issues that can be addressed by keeping blood sugar balanced. Absolutely. And just as like we can create type 2 diabetes with a diet that's going to throw our sugars out of whack. I've recently had a couple of clients be come down on the spectrum to be able to so-called reverse their type 2 diabetes. And it doesn't take a ton of resources. It doesn't take a Whole Foods near your house. It doesn't take some of the things that we assume are kind of our ticket to, to health. I mean, and all those things are great, but I just recently had a client who lives in a town of 600 people with a general store and no health food stores and no availability as far as some of the more trendy, healthy foods that we see in the marketplace. And she, you know, was able to lose 47 pounds and reverse her type 2 diabetes in her 70s. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And it's just about yeah. macronutrients and awareness. Yeah. And I just constantly come back to that story and that testimonial because if she can do that, that yeah. means almost anyone can do it because yeah. she didn't have the resources to really have all the perks that some of us have accessible to us. Yeah. And nor the practice, really. I mean, learning a new thing in your 70s is never yeah. easy. Yeah, well, that's an, that's an awesome story. Thank you for sharing that. That's really great. So you said you work with clients all over the country. So where can people find you if they're interested in what you have to say and they want to work with you? Website, Instagram, where's the best place? Where do you hang yeah. out? Basically, everything is Boulder Nutrition. 
Great. So here in Boulder, Colorado is more my brick and mortar businesses, but obviously t- times are changing and yes. online and Zooming and remote sessions and things like that. So yes, bouldernutrition.com is my website and my Instagram is also Boulder Nutrition. And that's kind of the place I hang out on social media the most. I post a lot of recipes and great things that are hopefully useful as far as making positive change. And then, as I said, I have women's retreats internationally and locally. So the local ones are here in Colorado, which is lovely with the mountains. And yeah. Oh, I have an upcoming retreat in Costa Rica at the oh. end of January. Oh, cool. And Bali. So I go Costa Rica, Bali each one. Oh, what is the Bali one? <laughs> yeah, the Bali <laughs> one's in June. <laughs> that one has been like on hold, right? Oh, Bali's yeah. Because, but we are very hopeful that this year will yeah, open in time. Yeah. So June, mid-June is... Is the Bali retreat. Awesome. And that's all that information is on your website. Yeah. There's a link cool. to retreats right on my website. There's a link to all my programs and different ways I work with people. So awesome. there's lots of, and there's lots of free things like recipes and articles and things like that. So very cool. Thank you so much for this chat. This has been awesome. Uh, super informative. And yeah, so everyone go check her out on Instagram, go check out thank our webpage and thank you again. And we'll see everyone next week. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Dr. Kinney Show. Be sure to follow the show and leave a rating and a review. It supports me so much. Plus, I always love hearing from you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I'll talk to you next week.